Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres, narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for listening. Feel free to drop me uh, drop me a, a review on iTunes. That re- that's always appreciated. And feel free to keep sharing the show because you can uh, you can hear it on Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, and Stitcher. So it's going to be we have a uh, we have a lot of, of uh, ways for you to listen in. And I got a really really fun episode for you today because um, my guest is proof that the universe knows what it's doing, and you just have to trust it to make it happen. From January to July of 2009, I was I was pretty much like in a bit of a daze. I had been laid off from my full-time job and was deal, dealing with unemployment, dealing with a part-time job that didn't really go anywhere. And then finally in July of 2009, I got the my whole career like as a as an office assistant. Wound up taking a very, very sharp turn, and all of a sudden, here I am as a host at Top of the Rock, the observation deck in at Rockefeller Center. And it turns out that uh, within a few months of really kind of getting my feet wet, they uh, they trusted me enough to hand me, a, to get me a lead position, which was pretty awesome. And also I realized just how I really just did not expect the great things that happened to me as a result of being there. And one of the great things that happened to me is our guest this week. Kim Hawkey is someone who I immediately became friends with as soon as we uh, as soon as we really got to know each other. I found her to be extremely talented and incredibly sweet and very good to work with and somebody that I really wanted to keep working with throughout my time there. And um, I got to see her own show that she did over at Fordham University, um, a review of the 1990s called 1998 degrees and it's a really like just like a celebration of all this great 90s music all uh reorchestrated 
and done in such a really clever fashion and it wound up being a really great show. Uh, she would follow that up with, uh, with another show called The Finals Countdown. And she would go on to not only become an award-winning singer herself, but she would later become a voice and piano instructor. She would uh, be a teaching artist and entrepreneur, as she, call, as, as she, uh, as she has labeled herself. Uh, she will go on to become the founder and artistic director of her own label, Elvinel Music. She would also become the founder and band leader of a wonderful uh, big band style uh, re review band called the Swingaroos. And she's embarking on probably her most ambitious project yet, you know, like uh, since starting, by being the founder and lead instructor of the Variety Show Lab, which is basically giving a lot of young artists of all different genres the tools that they need to become a success. And that is someone who I definitely knew was going to be a guest on this show. She was one of the reasons that I started this podcast in the first place. And I'm so thrilled to have her here. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce my dear friend, Kim Hawkey. Kim, how are you? Hi, George. Oh my goodness. What a memory you have and what an introduction. <laughs> you're, you're giving me a whole rundown on a, a history that, you know, something's I've forgotten about over the past few years, but the shows at Fordham that you came to 1998 degrees and finals countdown, you were really there from the beginning of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, like <laughs> I, I knew that you had something to, to really offer. And I was really looking forward to, um, to having this conversation so that not only we can reminisce about, you know, like our time at top of the rock, um, but also to, to know what you were doing, after you left because you left in um, like around spring or so of 2010. I didn't leave until August, 2011. So there was like another, a full year without you. So let's start with, uh, with what you're doing with Variety Show Lab. Tell us a little bit about what, uh, what that project is. Sure, Variety Show Lab was created only about a month ago as a collaboration with my good friend, Ryan McGovern. He is an incredible instructor with teen and children performers, um, voiceover actors, dancers, mostly theater kids or hashtag theater nerds. <laughs> I think we've all been there. And we oh, didn't yeah. wanna see the collaboration and the creation come to an end because of the stay at home orders and summer camps being canceled. And at that point I had already been teaching remotely um, about 20 hours a week from home. Um, I had been teaching in person for several years and then the whole studio switched over to remote and it actually was working quite well. There are some things we miss about being in a, a room with another human being, obviously, but we figured that this was the next best thing and we wanted to give students who were already going to be home a flexible way to create and develop their own content while having some sort of interaction with their peers. We were also very conscious of the Zoom fatigue that so many young people have been experiencing, not just young people, but a little bit of everyone who is now you know, meeting exclusively on Zoom for work, phone conferences. 
and it is a thing and we were podcast interviews <laughs> exactly <laughs> here we are but it's so normal yeah. now i forget so um we thought it would would just be a good solution and i'm really excited we haven't had our first session yet but we are going to begin in july we had one slated for next week and it's hard to get the word out you know so we had a low enrollment lots of interest but very very close to the end of the school year so we figured you know let's push it off we'll roll over our our students to the end of july and we'll just work on making that a really great program with as many kids as we can get sounds great and they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have a, a really great uh curriculum ahead of them from uh, from what i from what i know about you what uh what i know that um the talent that you have and um i i'm really excited to see what kind of talent this is going to produce so yeah and it's really um, open to whatever these kids want to do we didn't want to make a traditional theater camp where everything is about being in the spotlight and singing and dancing we wanted something for all types of creative students ones who prefer to write or maybe students who are used to being backstage at the musical helping with costumes you know we are going to need students to create uh, visual content and layouts just as much as we'll need students to write an original theme song for our variety show lab or team up with another student who writes a song and they choreograph a dance to it. And then another student comes along and writes a comedy sketch and has two other peers act in it. So we are going off of a theme and we are making suggestions for content, but ultimately it's going to be the students who come up with the ideas themselves do the filming themselves. Everybody's, you know, got a tablet and a phone now and creating um, their own videos, which they'll send back to us. And we edit everything together to create a variety show lab, kind of like um, SNL, you know, mm -hmm. modern day Mickey Mouse Club meets SNL. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's that really kind of fits in in your um in your repertoire really like the, the sort of like kind of a throwback kind of kind of uh performance something that was old made new uh that's very much like uh like you said snl but it's also it also sounds a lot like it would be like carol burnett you know exactly um, bob hope type of mm -hmm. yeah yeah like the those types of variety shows that have different sketches, your show of shows, Caesar's Hour, you know, like things like that. So it sounds like what you got here is something really, really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this, uh, how it all comes together. Um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and throw ourselves back to the beginning of how you, of how you got into music in the first place. What was what I call the lightning bolt moment? What was it that made you point to music and, and even specifically like, um, you know, the sort of genres that you're, that you're playing in right now, what was it that made you say, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to give for the world. <laughs> 
Well, I always loved to sing and I always loved to dance and put on shows. So right from the beginning, I was all about putting on a show. And to me, that was playtime. But, you know, I would always drag in the parents, drag in the siblings, sit down. I'm going to I'm going to perform for you now and you're going to like it. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I just have a history of that. And I and it's interesting because I can't say I was a very outgoing kid either. I've always been a quieter child, even as an adult, you know, I'm more of a listener than anything else. But when it came to embodying a character or being someone else or performing, I always felt right at home. So I just thought that was an interesting dynamic. Then I started getting into some musical theater. My mom always liked musical theater. She would play cassette tapes in the car of Grease and My Fair Lady, Man of La Mancha. Mm -hmm. And I got my own CD of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Good old Andrew Lloyd Webber. And, yep. uh, you know, one of the cheesier, more like over the top Broadway shows, <laughs> but I just loved it. And I, I wanted to be the narrator because she had the most oh, singing nice. parts, of course. Yeah. So I would just sing that on repeat and I memorized everything. The same thing happened in about fifth grade when I discovered Les Miserables and I memorized mm -hmm. the entire three and a half hour long through sung two disc set. Oh yeah. <laughs> three disc with, when you count the, uh, the, the, um, the later editions, I think like they did that. <laughs> oh, with all the bonus material. <laughs> Oh, it's great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I, I, I loved it all. And I continued to dance as a child and I took piano lessons. My mom um, really made sure that my brother and I had a lot of music and art in our lives. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't because she could really afford to pay for all these lessons. She would actually cook dinner for my piano teacher in exchange for lessons. So if oh, she yeah. hadn't done that, I don't yeah. think I would have had those same opportunities. So I'm very grateful for that. High school and middle school, I was involved in musical theater and started getting interested in classical music and more serious um, vocal work when I was a senior in high school, which at that point was a little bit late for me to apply to conservatories. I did try and I got some auditions, but wasn't accepted anywhere that I wanted to go. And, I, and in hindsight, I'm very glad because that brought me to Fordham and it gave me a more general uh, liberal arts education with a focus on music and psychology, which are two things that I use every day. Um, and I think it gave me an appreciation for all genres of music. Uh, whereas if I had attended conservatory, I think I would have been studying mostly classical music, which I appreciate, but I don't think I was ever a natural in it. I don't think my voice is made to create those bigger sounds. And I ended up finding jazz and doing a little more with musical theater and folk music. And it just sort of carved its own path through college and then after graduation. And you were there right when I was working on producing and writing shows. And I loved that. And and I still try to continue with that, with the production and, and original content. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, I understand what you mean when you say the, how you're more of an introvert out, you know, like uh, outside of performing, it's almost like as soon as you get on stage, that's when you feel like, okay, it's my time to shine because it's almost like you're, it's almost like you don't have to compete with anyone else to get yourself out there because everyone is looking at you already. So you, and you don't want to disappoint them. So you just go all out. Yeah. It's just your time. You just do it. And it's, it helps if you love it too. But, um, Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I would be a little self-conscious and I still am, you know, person to person with people that I'm not really familiar with. I'm, I'm very self-conscious, but I think it's that being self-conscious that makes people a stronger performer because you're very aware of yourself and your body and your voice. And so when you do get on stage or you probably, when you're recording voiceovers, you just open up and you can manipulate all of those things that you've been so focused on about yourself that you probably wish you weren't. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh man, I wish I, I wasn't so aware of myself and my, you know, the vocal inflections and, and, you know, you tend to like pick all the little things you don't like about what you do or how you do it. But then once you're on stage, you exactly can have you control. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, because I just, uh, um, my latest audiobook just came out this past week, and it's it's my own work as well. It's my own book. So that's, that's double, that's double the anxiety right there, because <laughs> it's the whole thing I'm, you know, completely, completely responsible for. And so when I was doing the editing, my only way that I can really edit my own work is to mess with the uh, mess with the tone so that way I can't recognize my own voice <laughs> and then I can go ahead and make make the changes but yeah you know like that's I know I know what you mean when it comes to like being very self-conscious being self-aware because yeah I, I can't even listen to my own audiobooks or anything like that. <laughs> just like, I'm just glad that other people like them and I'll take them I'll take their word for it that's that's amazing though because other people do like them and that's what it's for you know it's really people get into a lot of complications when they decide they're not going to release something or they release something and then they realize oh that didn't turn out the way i imagined in my head and they don't ever create anything ever again and they don't realize that it does speak to other people it came out that way for a reason and it's almost anything i create is it's almost never what i imagined it to be exactly but people connect with it the people who are meant to connect with it will still connect with it and you just got to keep creating Absolutely. And you, you you would think that I I can imagine that the artists behind all the songs that you were able to repurpose for 1998 Degrees probably are thinking the same thing. I didn't think it was going to it was going to sound like that, but I think they would have been blown away by what they heard. So um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about how that got going, because that was such a fun show. Oh, yeah. Well, that came about with um, my roommate at the time, Justine Rella, who is just knows everything there is to know about theater. She's amazing. And aside from her creative knowledge, she knew how to like do all the behind the scenes stuff. She was just good with paperwork and logistics. And, and I like, we would never have been able to put that show together without 
Justine doing all that work, <laughs> you know, I would have, oh, yeah. I don't know, like you need a space to rehearse. You need to schedule rehearsal time. You need to like find a theater and work out all the odds and ends. And so she did that. And then all the, all the logistics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I learned a lot from her on that side of things. Um, and we were also working with Asaf Gleisner at the time, who Asaf and I mm -hmm. were dating then. And um, he is also the co-band leader of the Swingaroos. So he and I still have a great working relationship He's at the time. He's a tremendous talent too. Yes. True, and tremendous talent. One of the reasons why I got started singing jazz, he was studying jazz piano at SUNY Purchase. So that was my introduction to jazz and I would every once in a while like sing a little bit with him at a gig, but I always felt my voice was too musical theatery. But anyway, he's also great with musical theater, with composing and with accompanying singers and with arranging. So we just started coming up with really fun arrangements of 90s songs because we love 90s songs. <laughs> We're like, oh my God, this NSYNC song is so good. Well, what if we did it like this? So if anyone knows postmodern jukebox, Oh, of course, yeah. we were uh, we were very like bitter when they hit their 10 millionth view because we're like, we were doing that first and mm -hmm. not yeah. not so really, because, you know, one if you have a good idea, chances are 100 other people are doing the same thing. <laughs> so but they they, but they have but they haven't heard it the way that you do it. That's the way that, you know, that's what everyone needs to remember if they say like oh my idea is not original enough and everything no, no no the way you tell it is original enough just like the way you perform is is original enough because it's yours that's exactly right and even um you know jazz music they took songs that were uh 20 years old and repurposed them repurposed old like very square pop songs as a swing tune for years and years and years. So it's really something that's been, that's always happened in, especially American music, I think, at least because we have, you know, all the, all these amazing recordings from the last hundred years to like trace this song that was written in 1905. And then, oh, then um, Benny Goodman did it in the thirties. And then Frank Sinatra did it in the fifties. And then Lady Gaga did it last year. <laughs> you know, we have all this great material that just lives for a hundred years. So we did that with 90s songs and we created a storyline around it about a big pop star named Ty. I loved Beanie Babies in my childhood, which is where the name came from. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah. And um, it was one of those things that we just had this crazy idea. We executed it in the only way we knew how to. And we were always amazed that like people auditioned for our show and people came to see our show. We're like, do they know? Like, do they know that we wrote it and we're just like faking everything and we don't know what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's just been, I think that's a trend in my life. And I'm realizing it's a trend in many people's lives who I look up to. Um, the way they got where they got is just, is the fake it till you make it scheme. You just do what's in your yep. heart and just get ready to be surprised when people actually come and watch it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And yeah, the um yeah, I uh, I just remember the the stage area where uh where you got to perform the show just packed with people. Everyone was was dialed into the show. Everyone had such a good time with it. Um and then uh to follow that up with the finals countdown <laughs> uh, was also was, you know, that's it's just it's I you know, it's just like as soon as you as soon as you start listening, just like, ah, I get it. You know, like, I know, I know exactly what this is, what this is all about. And I'm into it. So let's, you know, let's, let's go, let's watch this. Let's have some fun. So oh, we have those so much fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you do those shows. And then after college, I was seeing you popping up on social media in, you know, in other States you know, as, you know, bring, bring your talents elsewhere. And all of a sudden, which, uh, which award did you wind up winning? It's called the American Traditions Vocal Competition, and it takes place in Savannah, Georgia, every year towards the beginning of the year, like around late February. So I was encouraged to apply by my voice teacher at the time. And he just thought it would be a good opportunity for me because I like to sing so many different styles. And I was working, um, you know, a day job at the time uh, behind the scenes in arts administration and wasn't performing professionally. So it's like, all right, this sounds fun. Like I remember being very laser focused on it with no intention or expectation of really advancing because I was competing against very highly trained vocalists and teachers of singing and international performers in all different styles. Um, but I became obsessive over creating a perfect, um, a perfect program. Cause you have to pr like create your own program for three different rounds out of nine different genres of American song. So, the way that I pieced together each of my programs, I made sure that I had a beginning, a middle, and end, that each of the three songs in every round really contrasted with one another and showed off different qualities of my voice, that they were interesting, that I had really good arrangements, of course, su supplied by Asaf. <laughs> he was my accompanist, and he really helped right. make my rounds stand out because we had excellent arrangements for everything. I did a little bit of mouth trumpet on one song, which was very popular. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was not expecting to advance or win and I won. Um, and I that totally changed my trajectory. And it made me realize that, well, if I want to, I could actually create a career out of this with teaching and performing. And so that's what I did. That was in 2013. And from then to now, I slowly built up the career that I have right now with teaching and performing and being a band leader and a songwriter. So I'm just really happy that my voice teacher encouraged me to apply. I'm happy that I oh, yeah. wasn't too intimidated to not do it. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, figure, oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm not going to win. I'm not even going to try. So it's possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And yeah, I was I was curious to know like what you were doing after you left Top of the Rock too, because you said that you were working at working uh, behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, as uh, as administrative assistant, correct? For, yes. For uh, for the arts. That's right. Yeah, I started yeah, uh, with an internship over the summer right after I graduated Fordham, so that would have been 2010, and I was working in arts administration and production in a small music festival then worked in a music school for a couple months and then i found my way to caramore in katona which is an incredible space for music it's um, a 1920s estate where the owners gave their lives and their property to music about the in the 1940s wow. and so it's yeah. a home for all different styles of music and art and it's an incredible place it's right around the Catskills, isn't it? Katona, um, Caramore is in Katona, which is in Westchester. But the one before that, oh, the gotcha. music festival before that was in the Catskills, where I ended up you yeah. know, going back to and making my home there because I loved it so much. I knew the Catskills had something to do with it. <laughs> I remember as soon as you got yourself established there, I was just like, oh, that that's perfect. That's perfect, you know, like that, uh, that she's there. So with that... Uh, um, you've been able to, you were able to build up the experience as a, as a musical teacher, you're able to do these various performances. Um, what prompted the Swingaroos and Elvin L Music? Mm -hmm. The Swingaroos came first, and that was not long after I won the American Traditions competition. I discovered my love for vintage jazz during that competition because that was one of the categories. Actually, the category was Hollywood music. And a lot of people, you know, chose Disney songs or um, more modern material. But I had this vision of getting up and performing something from the 1940s, something very glamorous and with long phrasing. And I chose a Harry James song called I Had the Craziest Dream. And it felt so good in my voice. And I just like, I loved it. And it, it felt like the perfect blend between jazz and musical theater. So after that competition, I wanted to do more of that. And Asaf and I decided we were gonna start the Swingaroos, which is a six piece jazz band inspired by music of the 1930s and 40s. And we do some covers, we do some originals, we play up the theatrics of that time period. Um, we bring the variety show element in where we try to throw some surprises into all of our shows or um, guest numbers or tap dancers. Um, it's really fun. It's, you know, not just a band to like sit back and like watch and stir your cocktail. We try to like get people up and out of their seats dancing or just like really engaged. And Elvin um, L Music came maybe a year or two after that, when I was starting to get a little bit burned out from the Swingaroos, not because I was, you know, I, I always loved the band and we're still very active, but I felt like I wanted something on the more like serious side, <laughs> which I guess mm, always seems to happen. Um, and not necessarily too serious, but I was really, really inspired by the history and the story behind these songs. 
and not just being showy with it, but actually like digging deep and finding connection to the material and connecting songs to one another, whether it was the time period or the composer or the person who sang it. And I found that people really loved these stories and they all they also had their own stories about the music that I was telling stories about. So everything was so interconnected and it was across um, cross genre and across age range because there would be people my age who heard these songs in a movie or maybe they were just getting into the new wave of swing dancing and jazz where it's you know becoming cool again or their parents listened to it their grandparents listened to it it really touched a lot of people in different demographics which I thought was really cool mm -hmm. because I think people needed a little something refreshing you know after we get a lot of produced music on the radio commercials television and i love all that stuff but there is something very refreshing about digging down to like the meaning of a song and thinking about the lyrics and being transported so elvenel is about being transported through music, whether it's through a story or through your connection with other people, people who are here today or people who lived a hundred years ago. Do you picture do you picture Elvin L music being um, being a label that you feel like can grow in the future? Yes, absolutely. I, I always feel like timing is so interesting because we're having this conversation right after I'm, I was sitting down to write my business plan. <laughs> I've been using the oh, Elvin L music name for a few years now, but I always struggled to figure out what exactly it was. I was always drawn to it. Elvin L is the name of a woman who was born in 1917. And to make this story very brief, I received a collection of vintage sheet music that I was going to use as gifts for people who backed my album on Kickstarter. And they're really beautiful pieces of sheet music. And I didn't realize I was getting somebody's old collection. I, I just thought it'd be kind of like a generic connection collection, but it had this woman's name written on the, on every single piece. So this was her collection of sheet music when she was a teenager. And oh, wow. it came to me in, 2017 and when i did some research on her and found that she was born in 1917 i was like wow this is just strange and she and i liked the yeah. same songs and i got a little history of this woman that otherwise i never would have known you know she has a few living relatives but they didn't really know much about her so this woman lived again through me getting this sheet music almost like she wanted me to have it and i might be assuming too much but i definitely felt very connected and i still do with this woman named elvanel who had just had a fascinating name and could have been anybody and mm -hmm. that's what i like about this music is it it could be for anybody and yeah. this the stories continue and the songs continue to be shared and i, I think that's really powerful so Elvenel music will be continuing and will grow as I move to Nyack next month. 
um, to open a studio. So I'm opening the studio for in-person lessons, for virtual lessons. There will be a lesson subscription available for people who want to have monthly lessons, but also want access to some online content and courses, as well as a community. I'm really trying to build a community for, um, for music lovers that love all different types of music, you know, especially right. vintage music, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. how many times have you asked someone like, oh, what kind of music do you listen to? And like everybody says, oh, I like all types of music. And yet most of right. our platforms and outlets are just a very single genre. Like a radio station yeah. plays mostly one type of music. And um, I think it's kind of hard to curate that lifestyle where you incorporate all different styles of music yeah they have have different stations on like say like sirius xm but you know Mm -hmm. with that you have to like be actively looking for it yeah exactly so i think there's a community for people who just want to spread and share joy through music regardless of what the genre is students of mine who you know discover a beatles song yeah. You know, they they didn't grow up with that, but they find it and it still speaks to them. Or students who come to me and they want to learn jazz, but they also still love pop music. So I want to cultivate a community around songs that tell stories and music that creates community, basically. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is so cool. So do you think that uh, that when the um, when the the Variety Show Lab is up and running do you think that uh do you think that you might be like approaching some of the some of the kids that are involved in that if they if you feel like they have a leg up in that in that sort of field uh yeah for sure i hope that it would be one audience so the students that sign up for variety show lab will probably be the same students who would enjoy having weekly lessons with a teacher who emphasizes the importance of singing and and learning all different styles. Well, not just singing, but I teach piano, I teach guitar, ukulele. Um, And most of my students are ones who love to sing and want to accompany themselves on some instrument. Some of them are too shy to sing, but they play piano and I'm sure at home they do a little bit of, <laughs> of singing, oh, yeah. but they're not quite ready to sing in the lesson. So I do see them as connected and Elvin L Music would be a new type of label. I feel like music labels, people don't really know what they do anymore. You know, CDs are fading out. Everybody is publishing under their own name. People are doing really well getting famous on YouTube and just yep. sharing stuff directly and cutting out that that middle. But what I think what's missing is the sense of community. So I want to yeah. create a new type of label through Elvinel Music. So yeah. not necessarily recorded music all the time, but a place where people can come and they'll know when live events are happening or they could sign up for workshops or lessons they can interact with other people who are using the platform so i'm excited a lot of it's in the works but um i'm moving to my new space in a couple weeks in nyack and we'll we'll see how it grows that's fantastic and so um 
And once again, you're taking something, something older, like the same sort of, you know, same sort of genre, the same sort of feeling that there was in music and you're giving it this whole new spin and bringing it some new life, which is always terrific. So what, um, when you think about, you know, like what, um, you know, students or, you know, like uh, aspiring musicians or aspiring um, actors, actresses, filmmakers, directors, whatever, um, if you feel like you can give them a piece of advice, what would you, what would you give? Because definitely you were very well, you know, very rightfully motivated by the teachers that you had. Mm, yeah. Well, um, do what you love is the obvious one, but really like if there's a certain type of music that you want to learn and your teacher only is teaching you classical piano, but you really want to learn that rock song, find a way to do it. Um, you know, you, you're going to improve so much faster if you are working in a genre that you love and you are connected to and fake it till you make it like I did. <laughs> <laughs> so where can they, where can, uh, where can our listeners find you on social media? Oh, okay. So I need to work on streamlining my platforms, which is what Elvin L Music will do eventually. Right now, everything is right. in its own place. But if you're interested in the Variety Show Lab summer program, we do have two weeks left. One is at the end of July. One is at the beginning of August. They We meet for five days for three hours a day. So there's some individual time in there too, as well as some one-to-one -one coaching and time for collaboration. So you can find us at varietyshowlab.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram as Variety Show Lab. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook as Elvanel Music, E-L-V-A-N-E-L-L-E -L -L -E Music, or KimberlyHockey.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, I, I always knew, you know, when we were just, um, you know, cracking up at the, to be a rocket, you know, um, <laughs> videos that we had to watch at top of the rock and, and we're putting our own spin on it to be a host. Oh yeah. And, you know, just, you know, as soon as I could walk, I was helping people get on and off elevators <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> That was so good. I, yeah, I, the training videos, the fake training videos. Oh, yeah. oh my god, so yep. good. And I, I, I knew that I knew that you were going to go out and soar. I just didn't know how quickly and how much you would. Uh, so it's really been awesome, just like seeing you grow as a musician, and seeing um, seeing you grow as a teacher as well, creating so much opportunity for younger. Uh, for younger musicians. So um, anyone out there with, uh, you know, with children that are, you know, that are trying to, that are anxious to get into this field, definitely you must take a look at Kim Hockey. You need to take a look at the sort of work that she's done, the sort of work that she's doing, the work that she will continue to do through her own label, uh, through the Variety Show Lab, through every venue that she is, that she is working with. And, if you are not inspired after getting uh, getting to know her and getting to know her music and and the work that she's done i honestly don't know what to tell you so by all means you know listen enjoy feel inspired get out there and create put your own spin on things because 
like we said before, the stories may have all been told. All that matters is how you tell them. So for Kim Hockey, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and we'll see you next week.